What did I have to say to start with anyway? Um, interesting stuff this week. God's good. I didn't have any technology issues the last two weeks. I don't know what, I, you know, my iPad wouldn't pick up what I'm supposed to. And anyway, funny things happen. I had uh, weird things happening with my computer two weeks ago. I don't know why that stuff happens. Sometimes I think it's the devil. I honestly do. But um, I'm just excited about what the Lord wants to do tonight. I just want to talk about a new wineskin and what that's going to look like. I was, um, something came up on my, I don't know whether it was Facebook or some, some social media thing that I had, and it was inviting me, why it was inviting me, maybe I should have went, to a psychic meeting. And it was a psychic meeting that was actually absolutely filled. It, there was no seats available, so I don't know why I got the invite. But it was $45 a head, and the place was packed out. And it was a young guy out of Boston who used to be a, a, an EMT. And at 24 years old, he decided he was going to do psychic uh, readings and contact the dead. And I don't know, man, that stuff just bothers me in a... I don't know, it turns me in the wrong way, okay? It's like cat and a, petting a cat the wrong way, you know? The hair's going the wrong way. I don't like that. So anyway, I just start, and, and, and honestly, my background, you know, my dad used to be a psychic healer a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And he did astral projection. And, but see, what I want to tell you guys is all these things are gifts that God gives to you, right? They're irrevocable. The Lord gives us gifts, and we use them either for darkness or light, you know? And some people don't even know. They think they're using them for light, but it's really darkness anyway. And I just had this, um, had this gnawing in my spirit to just continue to pray and to press in that the Lord would give us... I, man, I did too much research. I started looking up how much, how much psychic mediums made and how much the American public was spending on psychic mediums in one year. You know, it was $2 billion. $2 billion. And they don't even have the right answer. They got the wrong answer, as a matter of fact. $2 billion goes to psychic readings and psychics a year. And I'm believing that God's going to bring a shift in the wealth, right? <laughs> From the wicked to the righteous, right? And it's not, a, it's not about an issue of having a church that, you know, brings in $2 billion a year. That's not my point. My point is that we've got the right answer. And where are we in, in that quest to release the goodness of God in the nation? And I just wanted to, to kind of touch on some of that tonight. I'm going to stir our hearts so that we, we continue to move in that direction. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to really... Grab hold. I've heard two messages from two different other, two different evangelists this uh, week on either social media or something, actually touching that. And it's strange that the Lord brought me across a couple things so that we have this understanding that God wants us to do better as a church. Can I say that word? Do better in prophetic ministry because I believe that the, you know, it says that the secret things belong to the Lord, right? It does. I have a few scriptures that say that today, right? That, that the Holy Spirit wants to give us an understanding that Psalm 25 and verse 14 says this, the secret 
of the Lord is with what? Those who fear him. And surely God does nothing unless he reveals it first to his prophets. Right? That's Amos 3.7. And I like this one, Jeremiah 23.18, for who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and who has perceived and heard his word who has marked his word and heard it. So the Lord exhorts us, and that's all Old Testament, but I believe it applies to us today, doesn't it? Because we take from the whole counsel of God. And so I just want us to grab hold of an unction to grab hold of hearing God a little better. No, I'm correcting myself. Hearing God a whole lot better. Because can I tell you right now, you have the ability within yourself because of the gift of God that's inside of you to hear the voice of God. How many want to hear the voice of God in a strong way in their lives? I do, and I'm glad you all do, because the Spirit of God wants to come and speak to us. And wants to, Listen, I was just looking at some of the prophetic words that Kim Clement gave over his lifetime, and he was so spot on with governmental stuff. And I'm not saying we all need to be governmental prophets, but I am believing this, that the Word of the Lord can come strong to you, and it's not through striving or anything else like that, but it the Lord wants to speak to you clearly concerning your own destiny. Let's just start there. And he wants you to be real clear on the things that you hear and perceive, right? Who can stand in the counsel of the Lord? Let it be you and me. Let, let it be you and myself that stand in the counsel of the Lord and hear clearly and we activate and move in what he speaks to us. So there's no doubt in my mind that in this new move of God and what God wants to do, he's got to use a new wineskin. Do we know what a new wineskin looks like? Because the Lord is clear about some things about wineskins, but there's no doubt in my mind that as we enter this new move that he wants to change and shift our religious thinking. Right? And he wants to take, take our mindsets and kind of change them, not into something weird, but come on, God has the new, and, you know, actually, you know, Solomon said that there's nothing new under the sun. You know, God speaks. He's spoken throughout the ages, so he wants to speak to his prophets, and I believe that God's raising up a prophetic generation that can hear the voice of God clearly, move on what he says, acts on what act on what he says, and actually shift and move things because of our decrees and because of what we speak so that then, come on, then you step into destiny, then you cause people to run into their destiny and move into their destiny because of this clear word of the Lord in your life. And when you receive the good, the understanding and what God speaks to you and begins to declare to you and you begin to walk it out, then you get people's attention. How many know that Daniel had the attention of a nation? And there was all kinds of soothsayers. The Lord made me just start thinking about all this, that the, the wisdom and the, the anointing that was on Daniel was totally off the charts because he began to run the government. Come on, Joseph had the same thing. He had such wisdom from heaven and such favor from God that he began to change and move things. Now, some of you need to grab hold of this so that you know where you're going in life, right? That's most important. You know, we want to lead our kids in the way they should go. Well, God wants to lead you in the way you should go. Are you hearing me? And it's very important that we as the church grab hold of what the Lord is speaking to us and not in fear that we're going to miss it. Come on, let's just take all the pressure off. 
but I know that the Lord is wanting to bring a clear word to you and to myself so that we don't question and go around and around and around. When he speaks, we move, and when, we, when, we, when he speaks, we obey, and we, we do the things that he speaks to us, and then, be, and then all of a sudden we begin to see the favor of the Father on us. Because as you walk in obedience, and listen, let's just, let's just look at the opposite side of that. Because when the prophets prophesied what happened, they were persecuted. So it may not look all rosy. When you speak the word and you speak truth, sometimes people don't like truth. I'm just clearing that up right from the get-go. Because most of the time when we speak truth to someone who isn't ready and prepared to hear truth, then all of a sudden something happens on the inside of them Right, And then we feel rejected as people of God, and then we don't want to do it anymore because we feel like, well, what's, well, I'm going to be rejected. But the Lord never called you to be liked. He called you to be loved by him <laughs> first, didn't he? He called you to be loved by him as a father, and Jesus lives inside of you. So let's just walk in that. and Our hearts and minds are going to begin to flow with heaven's thoughts, heaven's agendas, and we're going to embrace that and declare that and then begin to flow in that in the Spirit. And that's going to be the Spirit of the Lord, the mantle of the Spirit of the Lord over our lives so that we walk in truth and in light and God begins to use us to change the atmospheres around us. So what makes a new wineskin? Well, let's just go back to the old covenant. I know I'm talking a million miles an hour. You should take notes because those who take notes get real favor in heaven. It's always being recorded. We're on Facebook Live where you can pick it up everywhere, so you can't miss us, really. I'm kidding. But what makes a new wineskin? How do we make a new wineskin? Let me just tell you in the Old Covenant what it looked like. See what they did, would do? They would grab an animal. They would grab the animal, kill the animal, strip it of its flesh, tan its flesh, and then rub it with oil continually bring it and put it in oil. And then what would it do? That would keep it pliable, and then you could put the new wine in it because it would expand with what God was doing <laughs> with the new wine. So how do we look at that as a prophetic people? Hmm, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we kill the animal. Who's the animal? That would be you. We'll just use me. We'll just use me. I know, pick on the new guy. Kill the animal. Strip it of its what? Flesh. The carnal nature. We have to strip the carnal nature. And then we need to tan it. We need to prepare it. Come on, sanctify it. Make sure it's ready to receive oil. And when it receives the oil, it becomes pliable and movable and changeable, and it expands with the new wine that God's going to put inside of you. And we need to be prepared for the new wine because I believe he's getting rid of a lot of things that we think were church before. Okay, I'm not anti-establishment. I'm just anti-what's-not-God. Is that Okay. I love the Lord, and I want to look like what God looks like. You know, I want the church to be exactly what he planned for it in the end of the age. And so the Holy Spirit wants us to, to grab hold of that. Mark, 22, uh, Mark, Mark 2, 22 says this, no one, pours, no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. 
No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And so we must be prepared for the Lord to come and prepare us. So I'm just going to ask the Lord, Lord, kill my flesh. Kill me. Kill the animal in me. Kill the beast in me. Come on, there's a beast at the end of the book, isn't there? Yeah, it needs to be killed. It needs to be thrown in the fire. It needs to be cooked. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that in us and to us so that we look like and sound like and grab hold of what Jesus is doing in these days. So I'm going to give you keys to living in the new wineskin of God, okay? That's actually going to help us to walk in everything God called us to. So we, we could just call this keys to growing in God, okay? But Callie can title it whatever she wants on the message. So, the first key, the first key is this. Longing, desire, and pursuit. We must long for God, we must desire God, and we must pursue God. Are you with me? When our longing becomes strong, when our longing becomes strong, it's galvanized. Let me just say this. It's funny. Everyone remembers where they were on the day of 9-11. Everyone remembers? Except for those of you who may be too young. Right? I remember exactly where I was on the day of 9-11. Remember exactly the place I was when the planes hit. Because I was galvanized by a moment. And here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be galvanized by moments with him. He wants us to long to pursue him, to seek him. When we seek him, we will find him and we will not miss him, right? Psalms 31 says this, God, God, you are my God. I shall earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My, my flesh yearns for you. How many of your, your flesh is yearning? This is what we're talking about. This is what God roasting your flesh is is when you desire him more than you desire to do the things that you think you need to be doing. But God wants to torch the inner, the inner man, the outer man. He wants to torch it all. And so your heart, your flesh, your flesh must yearn. And then in a dry and weary land where there is no water. See, God wants to give you a drink even in the midst of dry places. And he wants to show us he wants us to pursue him. So the first key is longing and to seek him, longing, desiring him, longing to pursue him. We must prepare, I'm telling you, for the new place that God wants to bring us. And see, there's a, there's a path, there's, a, there's fresh living, there's a path for fresh living, and the new wine is paved by longing and pursuit. The new path, it's by pursuit. It's longing. It's not by doing X, Y, Z, but it's a longing in our hearts that just desires more of God. We just want to desire more of him. And so is it okay if I read out of the book of Enoch tonight? Just one verse. I'm not preaching out of Enoch, okay? That might be thought weird. Thank you, Facebook Live. <laughs> Click and share. <laughs> right? Right? Enoch, chapter 39 and verse 8. And it says this. Listen, here's why I'm using this. Because I could use this out of some quote out of anyone else's book that's maybe a modern person that you'd hear today. But this guy ended up 
seeking God, walking with God, and then disappearing, being translated into God's presence. He didn't die. He didn't lose his flesh. He just went. He just left the earth and crossed over. How many would like to do that? I think that would be awesome. I'd like to come and go. And the Lord has given us this place that we can come and go as we please, right? So Enoch 39, verse 8. I long to live there, and my spirit longed for that habitation. He's speaking of God's presence. And so it became my portion. See, he took ownership of it. He was going back and forth, to and fro, into God's presence. Listen, he was only a few generations after Adam, right? Enoch. And so it says, because, of, because this is what was established for me in the presence of God. So that tells me one thing. If I seek the Lord with all my heart, if I desire to live in, in the place, in this dwelling place, if I desire the secret place of the Most High, if I desire to pursue Him in that way, if I desire to go in and out, and that is my portion, and that is your portion, then we begin to see something amazing, that our lives will be embraced and, encover, and covered and, and engrossed and totally hidden in Christ because of our pursuit of Him. Not pursuit of our, our, the, the newest teacher, not pursuit of the next thing, not, not pursuit of the next, you know, revival. Although we, we desire and we want to seek revival, we want to pursue revival, we want the presence of God that brings revival. We want the true awakening. I want to see the true awakening in New England. I want to, I'm believing for it, that it's already, we're in the tremors of it. But God is saying, come in a little closer. Come pursue me. Come long for me. Come seek me a little more. Just spend your time that you used to spend doing something else and come and seek me. And it's not even about showing up at prayer. <laughs> it's about showing up at your house for prayer. It's about showing up with him for prayer. It's not about doing more church. Can I say that? It's about seeking him. It's about desiring him in such a way. And so Enoch longed to live there. See, it was his longing. It's what he wanted. It's what he pursued in his very inner man. It's what he asked for. It's what he wanted. It's what he desired. It's what he could not get away from. It's what he wanted to establish as a landing place in his life for God to come into. Key number two, an intense focus on the light of God. I want you to focus on light. I want this whole church, I want this whole body to pursue and seek light. I don't want you to look at darkness because what happens is when we, we, we become what we behold... Can I say that? We become what we behold. When we look at something, when we pursue other things, when we're looking at stuff we're not supposed to be looking at, when we're listening to stuff we're, we're not supposed to be listening to, what we take in, we begin to reflect. And the Holy Spirit's calling the church to another place where we do not reflect the things of this world. Not that we don't use the tools of this world. Come on, I'll use social media. I'll use those things. But I won't use it in, come on, the perverted way. Right? We look, we look unto God the author and the finisher of our faith, to move us into this place where we have an intense focus and we want to look and we pursue and we look and we gaze upon the glory of the gospel. See, our eyes are gateways and, our, and for our greater desire of him, we must open our eyes and we must open our ears to the things of, of God. We must pursue the things of the Spirit. The only way to grab 
holiness, the only way to grab the things of God and the, and the sense of who he is and the ability and the atmosphere of who he is is to, per, is to pursue him in a greater way. That the light of God would come on us. So lust, greed, selfish ambition, where does it come through? It comes through what we see. It comes through what we behold. If I'm pursuing, if I'm looking at money, if I'm looking at all this stuff, if I'm looking and pursuing certain things and I'm gazing upon those things, then what do I, I receive? It becomes, it seeds my heart. Remember I talked last week about seeding the atmosphere. You want to seed the atmosphere of your body, your mind, your will, your emotions. Through pursuing heaven, pursuing the face of Jesus, pursuing the presence of the Holy Spirit and communion with the Holy Spirit. This is the most important thing in your life is that you pursue and commune with him. Psalms 25, 15, my eyes are ever towards the Lord. Period. <laughs> my eyes are ever towards him. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. So any snare that's coming, right? Anything that's going to come, bad stuff comes to us. Come on, sometimes. Sometimes we end up in a mess. But the Lord is bigger. He's greater, you know, than our, any confusion, any fear, anything that's coming against us. He's way bigger because our eyes are seeking him. We, we want to gaze upon his glory, right? We want to gaze upon him in the temple, So every aspect, you should write this down, every aspect of our nature is redeemed to the extent we fix our eyes on the Lord. Hashtag truth. I'm telling you, what you, be, you behold, what you become, what you behold is what you become. And so we want our hearts to be postured towards him, Right? Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23. Remember this? It's Jesus' words. It's in red. It's got to be the truth. Come on, don't be so serious now. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is within you, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so that was Jesus' words to us, trying to encourage us to what? Look at the light. Be bearers of the light. We want to be totally covered and filled with light. In the back room tonight, I just saw this mass, this bright, bright, intense light just in prayer. And it was about clarity and about purpose. And God wants to infuse you with his power, with the, the very heat. I don't know. It's the hottest flame of God. It's a white flame that he wants to release on your life so that you don't question anything. That when you receive the light of God, when you receive something from him, that it becomes so cha life-changing and it will change your whole trajectory of life because you're pursuing light. You're not just whatever. Because we do, we get like that. We get like, yeah. Hang loose. And it's good. I don't want to be, you know, tight and always intense. I tend to be always intense. But I got to hang loose. I got to be relaxed in Christ. 
but not to the extent that it makes me lazy. Because it can be laziness. And God doesn't, come on, he honors those who diligently seek him. Right? And so it's going to help us as, as we're full of light and we pursue light and we look at light. It doesn't matter what report we get, right? As a matter of fact, i got to stop and pray for some other people. Anyone, anyone know anyone with, that's dealing with cancer right now? Okay, one, two, three. Wow. All right, everyone just stand up, the, those people, quick. My wife included. Ready? So we're just going to pray. We've got to bind cancer, right? There's a spirit of cancer. Right? It's a spirit. <laughs> it's not just a disease. Come on. It is a disease, but it's a spirit. It comes from the pit of hell. So, Father, we just thank you. I wasn't asking everyone. I was just asking people to stand that had new people with cancer or whatever. That's okay. We can all stand. So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We just ask that you release the grace upon us, Father. Just release a, a, a grace upon Every person that's dealing with this, Father, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, just rest. Father, we thank you that you have power to totally eradicate every cancer cell right now. We just bind that spirit right now. In my mother-in-law, in David, Father, and all those who are standing here, there's a represented people who, who are dealing with cancers, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just take authority. We bind all darkness right now. We thank you. Fill them all with with pure light, pure, pure light right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're going to rest upon them, that, Father, the, the glory of the Father is going to eradicate it, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, your goodness, your mercy, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what's going to change our perspective is going to be our, where we're positioned. You know where you're positioned, right? You're positioned in heavenly places. That means you have your, right? You don't look at things from below. You look at them from above because you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, right? So it's not just a positional thing. It's how you see. It's how you perceive now. You don't perceive things by the flesh. You don't perceive it by the ways of darkness, but you perceive it by light. And by the glory of the Father and the gospel and the power of the gospel, because the gospel is power. It's power. The blood of Christ eradicates every sickness, every disease, come on, every torment, every spiritual torment. So keep our keep we need to just keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith, right? Jesus is awesome. And he'll wipe out every devil. He'll wipe out every, every issue. Come on. And if he doesn't, he will. Ultimately, at the end, Jesus wins. Ultimately, at the end, God wins. But we want to see God. Come on, I just want to see heaven come to earth now, not sometime in the by and by. I want to see it come now. I want to see heaven here now. And I know he came to do that for you, not just for me, right? So we need to keep our, keep our eyes fixed. And right, light, remember I, I used this, you're seated in heavenly places, and light rules. 
It's out of Genesis. Light rules the day and light rules the night. It, it, it rules the darkness. That's why you see the moons. That's why you see the stars. That's why it rules. It rules. It pierces darkness always. Where there's light, there can be no darkness. Key number three, tenacity and perseverance. Everyone smile for this one. This is the tough one. Come on, you got to push through. Sometimes we just got to push through. Sometimes you don't want to do something, ugh, and you just got to push through. I just want to, you know, my, when I first started, I'm just going to give you a practical illustration on this. When I first started my business, I had an amazing job. First job, right on the ocean. Come on, it was a glory job. Come on, walls, patios, that's what I do. I'm a stonemason, for those of you who don't know me. I'm a mason. And so I had all this beautiful, ornate stonework that I got to do. First job, I'm out of the gates. It's strong. It's a big job. It was a big money job. And, and it's me. And big stones. Like, I mean big stones. Bigger than two chairs put together. And I remember one day that I was there, and it was like I was in the trenches. I mean literally in the trenches. And I'm pushing big boulders. No machines. By myself. I had my brother-in-law working that one time. And he quit after a day. That's not making me feel real encouraged. But I can remember getting to the point where I was just like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do this? I'm herking and jerking and trying to push stones that are bigger than me into spaces to make them line up and look nice and look pretty for the client. And some of them were just going in the back to get filled with covered, and no one will ever see anything. But I still couldn't move them all by myself. Me and a bar. Come on, at that point, it's mind over matter. At that point, it's like, do I, do I quit? Because I just want to stop. Who wants to do this? You know, and thank God, now I got three other guys that'll push rocks with me now, at least. And we get to use a bobcat here and there. And I got some machines and guys that I work with machines now. But it didn't start that way. You know what I'm saying? It's about pushing through when things are actually looking like, man, this is not going to happen. And this is a whole lot of work. And what's the yield? Come on, because everyone wants to know what, what the return on investment is. What are you investing in? And this is why I'm talking about tenacity tonight, because tenacity is something that causes us, it's, it's getting a firm grip. Actually, the word, that's what it means. Getting a firm grip and never letting go. That's being tenacious. It's actually the word that they describe Caleb. It's a dog that bites that doesn't let go. It's like a pit bull. Remember Caleb? Caleb was the one that at 80 years old said, give me my mountain, that's my inheritance. Caleb was with Joshua, and he watched Moses go through, and he lived with Joshua. He was the only one of the two spies that made it through into the land of promise. But he was the one at 80 years old said, pointed at that mountain and said, that one was my portion, and I'm still getting it. See, he wouldn't stop. And so neither should you and I stop because it gets a little tough. Ready? I'm going to throw it out there. I won't do it. 
No, because I noticed, I noticed, I noticed. I'm still a young man. Come on. But the younger generation seems to not be able to handle a lot of adversity. I'm not banging on you guys. It's just an observation. So when things get tough, we don't keep pushing through. We want to quit. We want to find something else to do because that's not working out. Or we want to change what we're doing because that's not working out. Or we just plain don't want to do stuff because it's easier. Why get a job when I can get a GoFundMe? Come on. I did. I went there. <laughs> And that's not everyone. Come on, that's not everybody. Okay, I'm getting a little goofy. I'll stop. But tenacity is getting a firm grip. You got to have a firm grip. You got to get a grip. Come on, and never let go. Perseverance is what? Steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. See, God wants you to be successful in everything you do. Let's just pull all the gospel out of it for a minute. Ready? I'm going to talk to you like a motivational speaker for a moment. God wants you to achieve. He wants you to achieve your dreams. Why? Because he built you that way. I'm telling you, he wants you to succeed. Some of us think that God's caused us to fail, that all the things have been put against us, and we're going to fail. You're not going to fail. You're going to increase. You're going to go bigger. You're going to go stronger. You're going to go better than your, your, come on, your parents before you, than your brothers, your sisters. Come on. You just need to get a grip and persevere and believe for greater things. So how does this affect our walk with God? God doesn't want us, as things become Come on, we're not seeing things that we expect to happen. And our prayers aren't answered immediately. Are you hearing me? Hebrews says this, Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we have a, we're surrounded, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What does that look like? That looks like all of heaven's hosts to me. And then some saints that have gone before me. And you're surrounded by all of them, and they're all cheering you on in your walk with Jesus. Are you hearing me? That's real. That's more real than you think. We're surrounded. It's not just a nice verse. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw off everything that hinders us. That means quitting. That means not focusing on the right stuff. That means, come on, having a mind that goes back and forth. Come on, you're double-minded. God wants to break that in the church. He doesn't want us to be double-minded back and forth. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us and let us what? Run the race. We run in perseverance, the race marked for us. So just be encouraged because you have all of heaven behind you. And so sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like something opposite that because we're striving and we don't see things happening. 
And the Lord wants us to grab hold of the truth that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, it's a favorite verse on everyone's refrigerator. But you can do all things through Christ. And he's given you triumph. And he's given you victory in every good work. Number four. We'll leave that horse alone for a bit. Tenacity. Be tenacious. Don't ever quit. One of my first mentors, that is all he would speak. That would, it would be... It would be Friday, preaching in chapel. You must never quit. You must never, ever quit. I'd be like, I just want to quit. I just want to go home. I don't want to do this. Key number four, fearlessness. Who's fearless? Come on. Fearlessness. God's calling the church to pursue him with all diligence. We don't ever quit. And to shed fear concerning the supernatural power of God. Because here's where we get to stumbling. Come on. First we get stumbling in our walk. We're trying to walk with God, trying to walk with God. And we're failing. And so then we fear. Come on. We're walking. Yet we're failing. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. We're not, we're not standing up to the place where we feel like we're supposed to. We're not measuring up to thinking what we, we're supposed to be in certain places. And God's saying this, just continue to pursue. You got to be fearless. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Therefore, I remind you. Do I have to remind you? Do I have to remind every one of you? To stir up the gift of God. Stir the gift. Everyone in this room has gifts from God. Whether they look spiritual or they don't look spiritual. Some of them are not spiritual, but they're practical. It doesn't matter. God's given you gifts, but he's also given you spiritual gifts. So it says, stir up the gift of God, which, is, which was given to you through the laying on of hands. And then it goes on to say this, in context... Ready? Because sometimes we pull verses with no context. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. What does that mean? That means do not fear the presence of the Lord. Do not fear the gift that God give, gave you. I'll just go back to some things. You know, I was talking about that stuff before, the psychic gifts. My dad had psychic gifts. You know what? He had the same gifts when he came into the kingdom because he got saved, right? So when he laid hands on the sick, they did recover. It wasn't just a matter of him doing it out of context in the darkness. But he was afraid. Come on. He was afraid of the astral projection. He was afraid of the prophetic movement. He was a little bit afraid of that stuff because he thought it was weird because he grew, he, come on, he knew some things about the dark side, and so he feared that. But here's what I'm telling you tonight. Do not fear the supernatural. 
Because most of us think church is just supposed to be practical. And I'm telling you right now, church is very practical. But the supernatural is the most practical thing. It will change. It will move things. It will change atmospheres. It will heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the leper. And so we need to just realize this, that God is trying to bring us into a place where we do not fear. You are fearless. You don't fear using the gifts that God has given you. We don't even practice because we're afraid. So we, we're going to change that soon, very soon, very soon. We were gonna, we're gonna, I don't know if this is going to be Sunday night training or something's going to happen because we need to shift a little thing to make people move in their gifts and look at each other and prophesy and be able to believe God that he's going to do things through you and you're going to grab hold of the spiritual gifts that are inside of you. And it may have to come by the laying on of hands to stir up the gift that's in you. Yes, we're all doing it. Don't hide. Key number five was my last key. Key number five is hiddenness in God. The best key of all. We have to develop a secret history with God first. What does that mean? Faithfulness in, in hiddenness brings open public victories, right? First in private, because we can just look at David, right? Very simple, easy Bible story to relate to. But in, in the secret place, come on, he dwelt. He, he ran, but he was out a shepherd boy who just worshipped. And he defended from the lion, from the bear, and that prepared him for Goliath, right? And God's got Goliath. He's got lions, bears, and Goliaths for everyone. Everyone in this room has lions, bears, and Goliaths. And God's going to give you that. But he wants us to first learn that the private place where we seek him in quietness and in secret. Matthew 6, verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So first of all, our, prize, our most prized reward is with God in the intimate place. Are you hearing me? Because I think, I think we want to see God move out of us more than we want to have the communion with the Father. I'm being truthful now. See, it's set time to seek him privately and not just privately, but often. And listen, guys, if you're hearing this like you're not doing enough, you're hearing through a wrong filter. You hear me? If you're hearing this like I'm not doing enough, the condemnation, come on, there is now no condemnation in Christ. It's not about not doing enough. It's about getting in the seat and saying, God, well, I fall asleep every time I pray. So what? Rest. Honestly, I used to deal with that. I used to be like, go to seek the Lord, and I'd fall asleep. I'd be like, great. That was productive. 
God, I'm just a worm. Come on. I'm not, I know I'm the only one that thinks like that. You know what I'm saying? You just condemn yourself because you've been, you, you purpose to seek God, and then all of a sudden something contrary happens. Or I got a list going through my mind. No, no one else has that, I know. I got all these things I got to do. Somehow I learned to shut it off. I don't know how. It's called practicing his presence. Because I've got more stuff on my plate now than I used to. I'm just, I'm just encouraging you guys because really this is what everyone goes through. When you seek God, when you search for him, everything else, come on, don't bring your cell phone in. Key number one. <laughs> Turn off social media. Just shut it off. Put it on. Don't even have it vibrate. Now I'm doing both. God doesn't like that. God doesn't like multitasking. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I think he despises it. Sorry. That's just my thought. But I believe this, that you know what? Through training, come on, you got to do and do and do and do. And sometimes it's through repetition. But there's always things that are going to distract you from that main thing. Right? You've heard that, that, that statement, keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. The Holy Spirit wants us to be in this place where we, we magnify the Lord, where we worship him, where we set aside private times because I'm telling you right now, he will openly reward us. Not only corporately, but privately. And it's not about the reward. What did I say that the best reward was? The best reward is being living in that place where Enoch said he longed for that place. He, he received it as his portion. He lived in that place where God was so infused in his life that he didn't really, nothing else bothered him. Now just think of this. He was receiving so much prophetic revelation that he was going in and out for a while till he decided, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to stay. And the Father wants to bring you into a place where you just want to stay in his presence. This is my problem now. An hour flies by. I could do a half a day. That's not boasting in anything other than I need God more than you. <laughs> Y'all missed that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I so need God that I desire to be with him longer, more than I did before. And that comes through hunger. It comes through practicing his presence, right? And sometimes there's lag time. Let's just go there for a minute. Because we're believing God for certain things and we don't pursue anymore. We don't pursue like we used to. And there's lag time. You know like your computer when it, mm, you get that spin. We love that, don't we? It's not quick enough. Come on. Come on, God. You're not fast enough, God. He's working faith and patience. Right? He's working faith and patience. Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock, and the door will be open to you. You've never heard this verse before. For everyone who asks, seeks, and one, any, anyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And do you know in the original Greek, 
it's actually a, a, that word when you ask, or the verbs are persistent and ongoing. What does that mean? It means you ask and keep on asking. It means you knock and you keep on knocking. And we see things open only through persistence, right? Then the answer will come. And the vision manifests. And the doors will open. And this is what I'm, pers- this is what I'm encouraging you guys in tonight. Listen, just because things have not popped like we think they're supposed to pop, and I'm not even talking about my personal life because I really think that we are in a great, great, great posture to receive what the Lord's doing in the next season. I don't feel like I'm jammed up. I don't feel like pressure. I don't feel like anything other than I'm just saying, God, more. Come in more strength. Come with more power. Come, just wreck us, God, because I don't want to look like what the old church looked like. Not just for looking like something different. I want to be filled with all the fullness of God so that he can use me, so that he can touch my family, so that he can touch our neighbors, that he can touch my, come on, the planet with the presence of the Father. And that's what this is about. This isn't about pursuing just to pursue for our own little, come on, piece of real estate with God. Although that is important. We want the private life with God to be rich. Amazing. But here's what I'm believing for, that everyone's private life just comes up to a whole nother level. We're going to pray for that tonight, that our private lives come into a whole nother posture with the Father, that we begin to move into a place of intercession and declaration and preparation. Come on, he can rip the, rip the flesh. Remember from the beginning, just rip the flesh off because I need to be that new wineskin. And he needs to strip this animal so that he can recreate whatever he needs to pour into. And that's the new creation reality that we talked about weeks before. God wants us to be living in that reality, that we don't look like anything that we've ever seen before. And I know, I know that tends to be like a fire out, come on, well, what are we looking for? You know what? Don't, I'm just telling you to expect God to come and pour in. That's all, right? So let's stand.